This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. That is not from some fabulous New Year's party. That was the European Parliament singing. They were singing a musical farewell to Britain. They've given final approval to Brexit, paving the way for the divorce to become final tomorrow. What does that mean for us? Do you have thoughts on this? 416-360-0740, toll-free one 1- 866-744-740. Right now, let's go to Michael Tobe, who is a Tory media syndicated columnist and Washington Times contributor, and he was a speechwriter for former Prime Minister Stephen Harper. Hi, Michael. Hey, Libby. How are you? Fine. How are you? Very good. Thank you. So this is a full three years after that vote to leave the European Union. Finally, it seems to be happening. Yeah, it's even more than three years. And yes, you're right. It's It's been a long time coming, and it's been a very frustrating situation for the United Kingdom in many different ways. And I'm sure you've discussed some of it. I've certainly discussed it over the years, and we don't have to rehash everything. But basically, Parliament, the U.K. Parliament was gridlocked completely to the point where no one could actually find a way to put forward a deal for Brexit or Britain's exit from the European Union. Former uh, British Prime Minister Theresa May tried several attempts, three in all, and all of them failed in the end. The current UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson struggled initially to get it going because, unfortunately, he lost his majority and people were sort of fighting him in terms of whether a no-deal Brexit, which very simplistically would have been if everything had just come down to it and push come to shove, and the United Kingdom had just been unable to vote on a proper resolution or exit plan, they just would have left with no deal and built everything from that point after. Not the wisest strategy at all, but it was a last, you know, it was a last desperate attempt to do it. In the end, it didn't come down to it. Boris Johnson eventually was able to settle things down in a very volatile parliament in where he lost his majority for a spell. He eventually, you know, he won the election by a big margin, uh, one of the biggest wins actually in the United Kingdom in many, many years. And with his solid majority, he is now able to put it through. And irrespective of the song that we heard earlier, you can certainly understand why a lot of people who supported Brexit are very happy that this thing is over. And quite frankly, I think it's fair to say, Libby, that even people in the U.K. who didn't support it are probably happy this thing is done with, too. Uh, Yeah, I think they're happy it's done with. I'm not sure that his landslide was because people want Brexit. I I think it's because the other party was a disaster. Well, that was, no, no, no. What I'm saying is that was part of it. Of course, no. Absolutely. Jeremy Corbyn and Labour was a complete and utter disaster, and that's why the Tories won a number of seats in working class areas and in other places 
where they hadn't won them in either years, decades, or ever. So, no, I agree with you. Combining everything, especially Corbyn's terrible leadership, you're right. That's how he, that's how it succeeded. And there's always been this interesting, to me, uh, divide, a, a generational divide, and older people want Brexit, but younger people don't. You know, and they, the European, the people in the European Parliament yesterday were saying, we'll be back, you know, who knows? No, I wouldn't count on it. Firstly, yeah, sure, never say never, I agree with you, but at the same time, the European Union has been very frustrated over this. They have provided a number of deadlines for the UK to leave, or specifically for Britain to leave. I think they're tired of it. This was actually the fourth or fifth one they put forward. I think they're very happy to see that on January 31st, this is all going to be over with. Yeah, is it possible down the road that Britain might uh, reconsider things, or a new prime minister is in place, or a new government, the economic situation turns into a decline, and they decide to revisit going back to the EU? It's possible. But based on all the, you know, all the ill effects that have happened and all the problems and just the schematic that kept getting moved or the goalposts that kept being moved down the field until it was finalized, uh, my sense is probably this is going to be it. And to be fair, I think that the British economy is strong enough to succeed on its own. I think it is strong enough to make trade deals with many different countries and many different trading blocks, including, most interestingly, the EU itself. I think that in the end it probably will succeed, but in the short term there will definitely be some hardships and some difficult times. People will struggle, countries will struggle, issues such as Scotland and Northern Ireland are still obviously on the table and going to be problematic, but once the growing pains are done, if uh, Boris Johnson and his ministers are able to solidify a strong deal that builds solid trade relationships, preserves the economic, uh, the, well, the economic engine of the of Britain, and ensures that they actually get stronger and is able well, to continue uh, me, to stand on the world stage and do well, it'll succeed. Well, let's just get there. What is the latest thinking on the negative side about the economic fallout? Well, look, let's be fair about it. A lot of people who are proposing certain things, both pro and con when it comes to the economy, are basically looking into a crystal ball and sort of theorizing what it could be. No one specifically knows what's going to happen as of tomorrow, for example. Now, the sky is not going to come crashing down. We're not all going to be chicken little and run and run away from it. We know that's not going to happen. But in fairness for the short term, it's possible that the British pound will struggle a little bit. I think the the monetary device is obviously going to be affected. It's not going to collapse, but it will take a little while to readjust. Until all the various deals are put in place, of which uh, Boris Johnson and his ministers are working on as we speak, and it will probably take several months to get everything organized, there could be a period of time where the British economy and, the, and Britons in general need to sort of reorganize themselves and sort of think about what their economic priorities are, um, how to preserve the, you know, their own financial well-being, for the short period of time. And as well, I think the other thing they have to be concerned about and worried about to some degree is when the trade deals and other economic arrangements are made between Britain and other countries and trading blocs, how does it benefit Britain overall? However, these are things that obviously Mr. Johnson has considered for a long period of time. It's something that his ministers have considered and have been instructed to do certain things. 
again, we don't know exactly what's going to happen in the long term, but I think we have to hope for the best and obviously, to be fair, prepare for the worst because that's the most realistic way to handle this situation. Uh, and what does it mean for us? For Canada? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. Obviously, we've had historically a very strong political and economic relationship with the United Kingdom, or Britain specifically, and nothing is going to change in that respect. But naturally, Canada, much like other countries around the world, the U.S., France, Germany, etc., are all going to have to sit down and build or rebuild trade deals specifically with Britain, taking into account the way that the barrier currently exists, or the economic line, so to speak, uh, in terms of things that are obviously important specifically for British interests rather than <clears throat> European Union interests, because that's no longer part of the equation. And look, no matter what you want, it doesn't take 24 hours to build a trade deal. It takes some time. You know, each side will have, you know, various trade negotiators, negotiators and other people in their party to just sort of determine what are the best steps to take and what is the best way to create a good, strong economic relationship, at least in the case you're presenting, between Britain and Canada. So for us, really, we're in pretty much the driver's seat overall because we are obviously going to be working hand-in-hand with Britain, but we also want to ensure that the trade deal we create is extremely good for us and maybe something similar to what we sort of have experienced with the EU here and there, both the good, the bad, and the ugly, so to speak. Okay. Michael Tobe, thanks so much. My pleasure. Have a great day. Thank you. Okay. Before we move on to our next very important topic, I'll take a call from Sam. Hi, Sam. Hey, Libby. How are you? Fine. Uh, how are you? Okay. Good morning. Now, now, you know, before, I don't know what topics you're going to go, but just about this European Union. I think the whole uh, point for European Union is uh, for profit. European Union uh, is like a huge uh, bulk of uh, bureaucracy. Uh, it's not really about like a statehood. And if you look at their inter- like you know economic policies or especially foreign policies, they will deal with devils. You know, the most radical, you know, authoritarian, totalitarian regime just for profit. You know, they have no foreign policy per se. You know, like a few years ago, they were saying let's negotiate with uh, ISIS or let's negotiate the Taliban on, and things like that. These guys, you know, a statehood, at least Europe will stand its ground against, you know, uh, fascism and other stuff, but European Union is a big link. It's a big link. These people are shameless. Okay. Uh, I, I don't trust them. Okay. Thanks, Sam, for that. Bye. Certainly is a, a big bureaucracy. Uh, there are 73 British European parliamentarians, so there you go. Uh, now out of work. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.